sports fans. Welcome back to another episode of EPSN, and I'm your host, Emily Paulson. I'm super excited for today's episode. There's so much to cover and so much happening in the sports world right now. To catch you up a little bit on what I've been doing, a couple of weekends ago, we had alumni weekend to finish out fall ball, and I got to see some of my past teammates, some past alumni and it was super cool to meet some former players who I'd never met before and get to play against some of my old teammates. I even got to play against Coach Rena, our pitching coach, and I think it was the best day of my life, and I even got to catch for her, and it was amazing. So super fun weekend. We finished up fall ball this past week over Halloween, and we did a World Series week, which is basically where we split up into two teams and we kind of do competitions all week, try different sports. So we did basketball, volleyball, everything in between. And it was a lot of fun. My team ended up winning. And um, we even got to host a little softball tournament for three local teams. And we all dressed up in our costumes. And I dressed up as Darla from Finding Nemo. And I even got a real fish, and I was very proud of the costume. I liked it. I even made headgear out of foil, everything like that, and it was super fun. Uh, the costume winner was actually Pitbull. Shout out Kinsey. She slayed that. <laughs> uh, school-wise, we just finished midterms, and we're getting closer and closer to Thanksgiving break, and I'm super excited to go home for the holidays, and for school to kind of make its way to being done. All right, enough about me. Let's get to some sports talking. Before we jump into talking about college football, I have a quick shout out for Club Juvie. Club Juvie has had some great tailgates these past couple of weekends for Duck Games and specifically for the UCLA game. College Game Day was there. Club Juvie was packed. They even had a DJ. It was awesome. Got so many fun pictures that I definitely will post on Instagram. And if you were there, you must have had a time in your life. A fun story to share, though, about that day is that some of our tailgating friends, the Olivers, their son Maddox and Kellen, they were on their way home after the game, and they stopped at a gas station, and... Coach Lanning was there getting gas as well, and they stopped him, took a picture with him, and Coach Dan Lanning even paid for their gas. If that doesn't tell you anything about Coach Lanning, I don't know what more you need to hear. He's just an amazing guy, and I think that really shows his real character, and I think Oregon, we have a great guy in Coach Lanning, and aside for the rest of the season for the Ducks, the first college football playoff rankings came out on Tuesday. I was super excited about it. Almost kind of forgot that this week was the first rankings of the season. And when I was watching it, I had some predictions going in. Some were right, some were wrong. But I was agreed with most of the rankings. I'll give you the top 10. One Tennessee, two Ohio State, three Georgia, four Clemson. So if the playoffs started today, those would be the teams in. On the outside looking in, number five, Michigan, six, Alabama, seven, TCU, eight, Oregon, nine, USC, and ten, LSU. 
Some of the things that surprised me, I thought TCU would be higher, being undefeated, but I think they're in a good spot right now, and these first rankings really don't matter that much because there's still so many games to be played the whole month of November before we even hit the championship games for conferences, and I think they're in a good spot. I just thought maybe they would be farther ahead, but they're not going to jump Michigan or Alabama, and I thought Georgia should be ahead of Ohio State, but all of that will be decided this weekend in a matchup against Tennessee for Georgia, so it's not a huge deal, but I do think Georgia has some better wins than Ohio State, so I thought they should be two instead of three. The conferences with the most teams are SEC, ACC, and Pac-12, surprisingly, with five teams each. It's the most teams the Pac-12 have had in a ranking since 2017, which is crazy and really, really good for the conference. The Big Ten and Big 12 follow with four teams each, and then the American has two teams in it as well. Some surprising things, too, about the rankings is that there are some teams ranked for the first time ever in this rankings, and that's 16 Illinois, number 19 Tulane, and shout out to the Beavers, number 23, Oregon State. Great for the Pac-12, great for that team. So what do these rankings tell us? I'm going to go through each conference, so don't worry. First, I'm going to start off with the Big 12. The Big 12 has a very slim chance of making the college football playoff, and in my opinion, probably the worst chance out of any conference. Their only team ranked in the top 10 is TCU, and Kansas State and Oklahoma State are the next two at 13 and 18, but both already have two losses. TCU's really their only hope at this point. TCU has no losses, and they should probably put all their eggs in TCU's basket and hope that they win out, because I don't think a Big 12 team will end up making it in the end, because I think TCU will probably lose a game. They still have to play Texas Tech this weekend, at Texas, at Baylor, and they finish the season with Ohio's, with Iowa State at home. I'd be shocked if a Big 12 team makes the college football playoff just because all the other teams already have two losses. Every other conference ha- either has an undefeated team or a team that only has one loss. So they're in way better position. But if TCU wins out, I do think they make the playoff. The next conference I want to talk about is the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has three real contenders for the college football playoff, and you can even make a case for a fourth, but probably not. Number 8, Oregon, 9, USC, and number 12, UCLA. Three contenders still make the college football playoff. Each team has only one loss, but it doesn't hurt them that much because I think at the end of the season, each team will have one loss. I think there'll be one undefeated team left, maybe two. But not really. So one loss doesn't hurt you. But the team who makes it to the college football playoff is going to be the Pac-12 team that wins out for the rest of the year, only has one loss in the end, and is the Pac-12 champ. I think a Pac-12 team will make it to the college football playoff no matter what, especially if they are the Pac-12 champ and only have one loss. I mean, it's going to be someone at this point, but... Hopefully the Pac-12 gets in this year. I would love that specifically for it to be Oregon. But 
there's some exciting games in the upcoming weeks to help determine this and decide, and those are USC at UCLA, Utah, Oregon. They're going to be great games to watch and super excited for the upcoming weeks and the rest of November for Pac-12-wise. The next conference is the SEC. SEC is still dominant. They have three teams in the top six, and they will have a team make the college football playoff no matter what. Even two. Probably two because everyone loves SEC. And don't get me wrong. I think the SEC is actually really good. Like, I think their conference is really good. But they just get so much press from the media and everyone hypes them up. And I get it. They're really good. Have proven that they're good. But I don't know. Georgia versus Tennessee this weekend will really show clarity in who's the front runner in the SEC. And it will shake up the rankings no matter what. No matter what, it will shake up the rankings and there'll be a new top four next week. I would think. I'm excited for the rest of the SEC schedule. There's always good games on every weekend in that conference. And every football fan, except for Georgia and Tennessee maybe, should root for the SEC teams to beat up on each other. And Alabama fans, you better hope that the other SEC teams beat up on each other because you guys already have one loss. So everyone needs to hope that the SEC kind of goes haywire and they all beat up on each other because that helps the case for all the other teams and the other leagues to make the playoff and be better because at that point that everyone will be equal with one loss and will be determining the losses and strength of schedule more than just saying oh undefeated big 10 big 10 is in a rough spot. I wouldn't say they're in the worst like Big 12, but they're not in a great spot like the SEC. They're kind of somewhere in the middle. They have two hopefuls, but both could fall through at this point. Number two, Ohio State, and number five, Michigan. They're in great spots. Two teams in the top five, but neither team has really impressed me yet. Both have wins over Penn State, and that's really it. I, I just don't think they have those huge, like, wins like some other teams do that are ranked in the top 10 even behind them both teams have pretty easy schedules from here on out until they play one another the only harder game that one of them has is Michigan they play Illinois um and that'll help build the resume but for the most part neither of them have a definition win that I would say oh my gosh they deserve to be in Ohio State definitely has an easier route to the playoff, but it's really going to come down to whoever wins out and the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game at the end of the regular season will prove who probably goes to the college football playoff unless one of them loses a different game before that. Either one will probably make it, so I bet the big team probably gets a team in. I'm going to assume it will probably be Ohio State at this point, but... Don't know until the last weekend of the season. Now to the ACC. The ACC is relying solely on Clemson at this point. They have five teams in the college football playoff rankings, but Clemson is by far the best bet. They have good wins against Syracuse and NC State and still have a tougher remaining schedule, even though none of them are against ranked 
teams. I think the schedule's pretty tough and surprised that none of these teams are ranked. They play at Notre Dame versus Louisville versus Miami and versus South Carolina. So three out of the four are home games, which is great for them. But I think the only way the ACC gets a team into the college football playoff is Clemson winning out. At this point, they're the best bet. I would have said Syracuse early on, but now they have those losses. So Clemson needs to win out if you are an ACC fan or a Clemson fan because that's your only way of getting in at this point. If Clemson does have a loss, they could maybe still get in if they are the ACC champ, but there could be better teams with better records and better strength of schedules ahead of them for that last spot, maybe that fourth spot in the playoff. But fans, there's no need to worry about this at this point. It's very, very early on, and these are just my outlooks on from these first playoff rankings. And if you don't agree with them, let me know. We can have some talks or whatnot and debates, and I would love to hear your guys' opinion. Some games to look forward to this weekend, though, to watch for you. There is a handful of good games, I think, even if they're not teams that you would normally watch or root for. Go out there. Explore. Maybe you'll find a new coach that you want your team to go after or new players that may go into the transfer portal that you want. Anything like that. The first game is tomorrow night. Oregon State at UW. 7.30 on ESPN2. Washington is favored by 4.5. I will be giving spreads for those betters out there. Um, This is a good game. Personally, I hope that Oregon State wins to stay in the rankings for the Pac-12 and for the Pac-12's sake of having more teams in the college football playoff to make those games down the road better games and better strength of schedule against ranked teams like Oregon, who still has to play them. And even though it's at UW, I think Oregon State has a really good chance, and I feel like they've kind of been under the radar as of recent. So good luck to the Beavs tomorrow night. Some games on Saturday to watch out for. Obviously, the first one I'm going to talk about, number one, Tennessee, at number three, Georgia. This game is at 1230 on CBS. Georgia's actually favored by eight points, which I was kind of surprised by. I thought it would be a smaller spread, maybe Georgia by three and a half. Instead, only a field goal or a touchdown, like seven and a half. So surprised that that line is at eight. But college game day in Athens I think Georgia will win, and for the Ducks' sake, being a Ducks fan, uh, we need Georgia to win because we need Georgia to win out and show that they are the best and our loss really isn't that bad. But I think this will be a great game to watch, and I'm super excited to get to watch this on Saturday. The next game is in the Big 12. It doesn't really have any impact on anything. I just think it might be a fun game to watch. It's number 18, Oklahoma State at Kansas at 12.30 on Fox Sports 1. Oklahoma State is favored only by two points. And the only reason why I find this game kind of intriguing is because Kansas could shake up the Big 12 standings uh, for the Big 12 championship-wise. So that game might be fun to watch. The next game is, I feel like people are kind of forgetting about this this weekend, but it's number 6, Alabama at 10, LSU. 4 p.m. on ESPN. It's actually after the Duck game for those who are watching the Duck game. Alabama's favored by 13 and a half, which I'm not surprised by. 
But I'm hoping that LSU pulls off the upset. It's in Death Valley. Brian Kelly could be a big win for him, a resume builder. Maybe his biggest win in his career, not going to lie. And I don't think it's actually going to happen. I think Alabama will probably beat them, and I'm pretty sure that they'll probably cover the spread, even though I don't want them to. Uh, But if LSU somehow wins, they will shake up the college football playoff in a big way, and I'm pretty sure it kicks Alabama out of even being considered for the college football playoff, so someone else could get in. But I think this will be a great game to watch, and I feel like people are forgetting about this, so tune in. The last game I'm going to tell you that you should watch out for is number 24 Texas at Kansas State at 4 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Texas is actually favored by 2.5, even though it's at Kansas State. Very surprised. Willie the Wildcat, I know, will be watching the game. And I think this is a very intriguing one also just to shake up the Big 12 standings. And I feel like people kind of forgot about Texas, even though they've had, like, some good wins. And I feel like Texas is kind of flying underneath the radar. In the end, I do think K-State ends up beating Texas, even though Texas is favored. And they break their five-game losing streak against Texas. That's been going on since 2017. Those are some of the games I think you guys should watch out for this weekend. And I think they'll all be pretty good. And no matter what, the college football playoff rankings will be different next week. And will definitely shake up just because of some of the matchups this weekend. And go out there, watch some college football. And lovely Saturday, first Saturday of November. Shifting gears to a quick MLB segment. To be honest... I've been kind of a bad sports fan in the sense that I have not cared about the World Series at all. I haven't even watched one minute of the game except for some highlights on SportsCenter. Ever since the Yankees lost, I really could care less about the MLB World Series. And I feel like a lot of other sports fans feel the same way just because it's the Astros, who no one really likes, and the Philadelphia Phillies, which maybe on the East Coast you guys are tuning in more because of the Phillies, but... I've yet to watch a single game of the World Series yet. I don't really care about either of these teams. But I am very surprised by the Phillies, especially by their win in Game 3, 7-0. They hit five home runs. But then on the flip side, last night in Game 4, they went hitless against the Astros. They're only the second team ever in a World Series to go hitless in a World Series game. So you pick and choose your poison, I guess, from... Game three to game four, but now the series is tied two to two. I think the Phillies are one of the most underrated teams in MLB history, and they're kind of surprising everyone but Philly fans, I assume. They're definitely surprising me, surprising I feel like a lot of people on the West Coast who don't really watch the Phillies at all. Um, I think they, if they win the World Series, they'd be one of the most surprising World Series picks up to this point. But I wouldn't even be mad at the Phillies one because I hate the Astros. I still think of them as the cheaters. And, you know, it's always good to not have the Astros win again. So game five is tonight on Fox at 5.03 p.m. It's a really good pitching matchup tonight in Justin Verlander versus Noah Syndergaard. I may tune in and watch this game just because I haven't watched any games yet. And the series is tied 2-2, so there's only... Three games left 
at most. So, might tune in to watch. Super excited. I think this will be a pretty low-scoring game tonight. I bet it'll probably be 3-2, 4-2, something in that, under five runs for both teams. And hopefully the Phillies come out on top, but it is a very tough job to beat Justin Verlander, especially when he's pitching at his best. Going back to football, I want to talk about the NFL, not about my hot takes from the previous two episodes. We've moved on. I want to talk about some NFL quarterback situations. I have been shocked by some of the things that I've seen from quarterbacks in the NFL this season as to who's good, who's not, who's performing, who's tanking, and not having a very good season. But first, let's focus on some of the better quarterbacks in the NFL right now. First off, Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills. Pretty obvious choice. The Bills are 6-1, and Josh Allen has been playing great. He's using all of his weapons to his advantage. He has... 2,198 passing yards and a 65.5% completion percentage, which is super, super high and one of the best in the league. He is my bet for best quarterback right now in the NFL, but you can make a case for any of these guys who I'm going to list. Second, I have Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs. John, I know if you're watching this, you're probably sad that I picked Patrick Mahomes as my second guy and not my first guy, but the Chiefs look impressive. Mahomes looks better than ever. I can see the difference that he's made in some of his game over the offseason. His completion percentage right now is 66.9, and he has 2,159 passing yards, so just short of Josh Allen. And the only reason why I even put Patrick Mahomes below Josh Allen is because the Chiefs did lose to the Bills the other week. That's literally the only reason. But Patrick Mahomes has been using his feet pretty well. He has 113 rushing yards on the season. I do think he could use it more, but because of how many passing yards he has, he's kind of using that to more of his advantage this year, which kind of more of a pocket passer than years past. So I've been impressed by him. <coughs> The third quarterback I am going to talk about in my rankings is Jalen Hurts for the Philadelphia Eagles. I know some people can make the case that he should be number one. They're the only undefeated team left in the NFL, but I just like the other two guys better. I'm not going to lie. I've always doubted Jalen Hurts, even when he was at Alabama. I just never thought that he was going to make it. I never thought he was big enough. I never thought he was a good enough passer. It's kind of like Lamar Jackson in a way of that people really only thought of him as a running quarterback for some point in his career. But he has a completion percentage right now of 67%, and he has 1,799 passing yards, so a little bit lower than those other guys. But he has 303 rushing yards on a season, so he's just super dynamic. And he gives the Philadelphia Eagles a lot of different options on what he can do. And he uses his weapons to his advantage like Devonta Smith and all of his other wide receivers that he has. So if he keeps using his feet and keeps that completion percentage really high, I think they'll be a decent playoff team and maybe go pretty far. But I think the key to his success is to keep that completion percentage really high and limit the turnover ratio that he's had in the past 
Two other quarterbacks that I'm just going to give quick shout-outs to who are playing really well this season so far and as of late is Tua Tagovailoa of the Miami Dolphins. He's been playing great, even though I know he was out with a concussion. I've been pretty impressed with him as well. And Geno Smith. Shout-out to Geno Smith and those Seahawks fans. I think he's really surprised everyone in the sense that he's done super well since Russell Wilson went to Denver. And... I'm super surprised by the Seahawks this year. That'll be for a different episode, but super surprised by them this year. Moving on to the other end of the spectrum of some quarterbacks dealing with some issues. These guys are the vets. They're old. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers can't throw a deep pass to save his life right now and has no connection with his receivers. He seems super indecisive and uncomfortable with his teammates and just doesn't look like he even knows the offense, it feels like. He has been struggling for almost the whole season. And I don't know if that's going to change. I don't know what the solution is for them. I think it's just making those connections with his teammates. He just doesn't have that number one guy to go to that that Devontae Adams isn't there with him anymore. And he's he's got to figure it out if the Packers even want a chance at the playoffs. The second vet that is struggling is Tom Brady. Not going to lie, it's not all on him. It's His protection's pretty bad, specifically the interior protection. His interior protection's pretty bad. So his line isn't doing a great job for him. But he's just not playing well himself. He's not very accurate with his passes. He has a really big turnover ratio, and he's been struggling to be consistent. He'll have one good quarter, and then the next quarter will be super bad. And then it just is like a roller coaster, little waves. And I think if he gets back to being consistent, not even like great or bad, just somewhere in the middle, consistency of good, I think the Tampa Bay Bucks can turn it around. And especially if Leonard Fournette can help a little bit more too, but... I'm cutting Tom Brady some slack because he is dealing with that divorce with Giselle. He just finished all that up, so cutting him a little slack, but if the Bucks want to improve, he needs to improve as well. The other guy, sorry, Dad, I'm picking on Raiders, but Derek Carr needs to put his talking into action. Talks a very good game, but has not played a very good game as of late. <laughs> He has been a huge disappointment for Raider Nation, and I bet Devontae Adams is rethinking his decision of coming to Vegas, except for the money part. He gets paid a lot, so... But Derek Carr has not been playing well. Last week in Fantasy, he only scored 1.94 points. They were shut out. Shut out! By the New Orleans Saints. That That's absurd. Like, you should score some points. And Derek Carr just needs to step up his game. He's gotten so many chances, and I think if he doesn't have some sort of turnaround for the rest of the season, he's he's going to get benched, and they're going to pick a new quarterback in the draft, a rookie, whoever it is, but I think Derek Carr needs to step up his game. He, he has so many assets. He has Devontae Adams. He has Hunter Renfro. His line is great. They have Max Crosby. The Raiders should be better. They just cannot put it together. And I think a majority of that falls onto Derek Carr, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. 
some other young quarterbacks who are struggling and who need to step up for their teams if their teams want to do better is Zach Wilson on the Jets. He just hasn't been playing great. He just has a very high turnover ratio, and he's just kind of indecisive, and I know that's from being young, but he could play better. And Trevor Lawrence, too. I know everyone thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be better than he probably is, and I feel like make that jump to NFL level faster than he is. But Jacksonville, if he had a couple more weapons and a little bit better of a line, I really think he could be better. But I think it's just that transition is coming in slower than what other others thought. Some games to look out for, though, for the NFL this weekend. It, I mean, there's good games all around. Every week in the NFL, you can find a great game to watch. But four I'm going to highlight are the Buffalo at the Jets, 10 a.m. on CBS. I think Buffalo will handle this pretty well, but the Jets' defense isn't bad, so I think this could be a good game, especially since it's at the Jets. The second game that I am really intrigued to watch is Seattle at Arizona, 1.05 p.m. on Fox. Just Kyler Murray versus Geno Smith. I'm excited to watch Geno Smith more to really see how good he is or how good I think he is. And Kyler Murray, I feel like he's kind of been under the radar as of late. These other quarterbacks have been doing better than him, and I know he's still a really good quarterback, scores a lot of fantasy points, but I am intrigued to watch this game. The third game I am intrigued by is the Rams at Tampa Bay, 1.25 p.m. on CBS. Two veteran quarterbacks facing each other, Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford. I'm just excited to see them go against each other and no other reason, to be honest. The last game is actually the Sunday night game on NBC at 5.20 p.m. Tennessee versus Kansas City. I feel like Tennessee has been flying under the radar a little bit, and I'm excited to see how they react and how they go against the pressure in Arrowhead. And I'm excited to see Patrick Mahomes do his thing because he always puts on a show, I feel like. So tuning into that one for sure on Sunday evening. The last area I want to touch on this episode, because there's so much happening right now, is NBA. First two weeks of the season, regular season, it's already been a roller coaster. The, you, I could do a whole episode just on NBA stuff because so much has already happened. Highs, lows, in the middle, surprises, anything you could think of. The highs, though, of the first two weeks of the season, the Blazers. The Portland Trail Blazers. You can't tell me, even if you are a Blazers fan, that you have not been impressed and they have exceeded your expectations so far. I know that they probably have because they've exceeded mine. And I am usually on like the high horse of the Blazers, like, oh, this is the year. This is the year. And they've exceeded my expectations. So Anthony Simons stepped up big time, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, but also offense. I see him really trying to play defense. He's a lot more decisive with the ball on the offensive side. And he's stepped up since Damian Lillard hasn't been there. But I think Lillard being out at the end of last year for most of the year, it made him step up a little bit. He looks a lot more comfortable, confident out there. And I'm super glad we never traded him away. Jeremy Grant, huge addition. He helps the Blazers on both sides of the ball. 
and really gives them another shooter and another guy on the offensive side to trust and handle the ball. Having Lillard back makes a ton of difference. He was out for most of last year, which I don't feel like people who aren't Blazers fans realize, and that's why the Blazers were so bad for a while. Um, But having him back is huge. Hopefully he comes back soon. I know he's dealing with that calf strain, but read a report that hopefully he can be back for this upcoming road series that they have. And they're ranked in the top 10 for defense, which is unheard of. Unheard of. Specifically, most recent times for the Blazers, but in a really, really long time. And I think that just shows the team's chemistry, their willingness to work, how much they put in the offseason, and that they're really buying into Coach Chauncey Billups' philosophy and that defense really wins championships. And I think if they keep that up, they will definitely be in that playoff mix and a contender maybe. It's very, very early on, so I those aren't great predictions. But from what I've seen so far, it's pretty dang good. The next team who has surprised me is the... Cleveland Cavaliers. They uh, have integrated Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz seamlessly, I feel like. They have the fourth best offense in the NBA right now, and Mitchell is leading the offense with Darius Garland being out. I know Garland didn't just come back last night for a game. They had a ton of assists last night. I can't remember the exact number, but specifically in the fourth quarter, they had a ton of assists. And I really think Donovan Mitchell adds a great presence on that team. And he he fits in great with Darius Garland. And for both of them to have those two ball handlers out there, I think the Cavs will be a good team this year and someone to watch out for in the Eastern Conference. The last team who's been pretty high, that I'm kind of high on, is the New Orleans Pelicans. They're a team to watch out for. I know they, they've kind of been on the uptick these past couple of years with getting Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Larry Nance Jr. They just have a lot of key components. And now, with X-Blazer, CJ McCollum, I feel like they have everything you would maybe need for a championship caliber team. I know that's a stretch, but if you look at the Warriors or Bucks or anything like that, they have... One to two great ball handlers and great shooters, which I feel like they have in CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram. And then they usually have one guy who is super fun to watch, can kind of do both ends of the ball, like a Draymond Green, which I would almost equate Zion Williamson to. And they have so many guys off the bench. I just feel like they're very deep, which is great to have in the NBA specifically for all the long seasons, and when it comes to championship time, those teams who have all those benches usually make those deep playoff runs, and they've been playing good on both sides of the ball. They have a great bench, and I think they're just someone to watch out for in the West, and I feel like their uptick and rebuild of that team is finally going to pay off this year. The lows, though. There's been extreme lows, and crash and burns already in the first of the season. Steve Nash. Steve Nash parting ways with the Nets this week. It might not be a low for him, though. Not going to lie. It might not even be a low for the Nets at this point. 
Because Katie and Kyrie Irving don't think they need a coach. Selfish. Selfish. This team is filled with selfish players. And they don't think they need a coach. I I don't even think any coach could help this team at this point. The way the dynamic is and the way the organization stands. Steve Nash, I feel like, got out of there. And I think it's actually... Better for him. I think if he were to take a coaching job anywhere else in the league, he'd have a much better record, much better time, everything in between. Because he will have players who actually want to learn and to get better and to really work hard. That's what Steve Nash based his whole career off of is working harder than everyone else. Putting in the time. KD and Kyrie, if you look at their track record, they've had issues on every single team that they've played for. And each of them just wants to go out there and score 40 points a night, which they can do. But both of them are such selfish players that it is not working out on the nets. And they just don't even really have anyone else who wants to learn. And when your two leaders on your team don't want to learn and don't think they need a coach or think that they need to get better, that's that's when you have issues. And that's what the Nets are dealing with right now. And I just don't even think at this point they're going to make the playoffs or turn around or they will be a playoff team who gets in by the playing games. So Nets fans, I feel bad for you and your organization. The last team that is pretty bad Pretty bad on the spectrum is the Lakers. The Lakers are down bad. They have no shooting capability at all. And they have just an awful setup of players and rotation-wise. Their roster right now is kind of in shambles. They, I feel like, just didn't do a very good job of setting up who they want to play and the rotations and the chemistry-wise. They finally got a win the other night, but it was... Because LeBron and AD combined for 49 points. And Russell Westbrook off the bench had 18 points. That's not going to happen every night for the Lakers. And if it does, miracle. Miracle. You'll win up games. But that's not. That's just not something that happens every night. I think they did make a good move in putting Russell Westbrook as the sixth man coming off the bench. I do think that's a better rotation. But once the trade period comes around... They need to make some serious changes if they want to make the playoffs. Serious. They need to get some more shooters. They got to trade for more shooters. And they just need to really get a better bench. They just have no depth and dimension whatsoever. So Lakers have a lot of work to do if they want to be a playoff contender. Keep in mind, fans, this is all very early on in the season. And... Things, things could totally shake up. Like, those bad teams could totally move into the high good teams. And the other good teams at the beginning of the year can move into the bad. So, I'm excited for the season, NBA season. Excited to watch. And I think it'll be great season. That is all for this episode of EPSN. But some quick shout-outs. Happy November. Made it through October. Made it through spooky season. Some great games for college football to wrap up the last four weeks of regular season. Then into championship games, bowl games. The most exciting time. I'm just so excited. I can't wait to watch some great games of football, basketball, and maybe even a World Series game this weekend. 
And if you haven't already, send photos of in of you and your friends at games, tailgates, anything sports related to the EPSN Instagram account. And I will post them. I love seeing your guys' photos and your guys's and you guys at games. And I'm super excited to see those, post them, and don't hesitate to reach out with ideas and segments you want me to talk about on the show or if you have controversial opinions. I I love debating and I love hearing other people's opinions about the sports world. So on that note, have a great weekend of sports watching fans and I will see you next time on another episode of EPSN.